Hello, everyone, and welcome to I4CP's Next Practices Weekly podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Tom Stone, a senior research analyst at I4CP, the Institute for Corporate Productivity, the leading authority on next practices in human capital. The Next Practices Weekly podcast is one of the ways we share those practices with you by interviewing top HR leaders and facilitating discussion with the broader HR community on what high-performance organizations are doing differently with their people practices. From HR strategy to talent acquisition, learning and development, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and much more. In June of 2022, Kevin Oakes, I4CP's CEO and co-founder, joined me for a conversation with Richard Stone, VP of HR, Global Enabling Functions at Mondelez International a multinational confectionery, food, and beverage company based in Chicago, Illinois. We discussed their approach to hybrid and flexible work practices, including how they supported their managers in this regard, and their initiative called The Right You, which supports employees' holistic well-being. Here now is that discussion with Richard Stone. Richard, welcome. I know you're calling in from Chicago. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. Thanks, Tom. Yeah, thrilled to be uh, with you today. Well, Richard, let's um, let's do a little bit of intro uh, to to you first. You've got over twenty years of HR experience. Uh, you've you've worked at a couple of different food companies now, Kraft uh, before Mondelez. Uh, so, tell us a little bit about yourself, and then I'd love to hear a little bit more about the company as well. Yeah, certainly, Kevin. So, say great to be with you all. So, Richard Stone, um, no relation to Tom, I don't think, right, Tom? But um, no. No, um, and there's a very casual photograph here of me with my my sunglasses. But um, yeah, so I'm Richard. I've sort of been in the HR profession for over 20 years, as you say, Kevin. As you can probably tell from the accent, I'm originally from the UK. Um, so I actually joined uh, Kraft Foods in the UK back in 2001. That was a graduate rotation program. Um, most of my career, I've been in what was sort of generalist HR roles, uh, sort of business, but then sort of shifted into sort of business partnering uh, positions um, and also had some COE experience, particularly in sort of the, the space of talent. Um, yeah, I've been fortunate uh, fortunate enough to sort of see different parts of the globe. I say I, I joined Kraft in the UK. I then moved to Switzerland, uh, we where we were creating our new European um, HQ and operating model. Actually, Kraft split. Uh, and became sort of two companies, so Mondelez and then Kraft Foods Group, and then later Kraft merged with Heinz. Mondelez is the snacks organization. So, you know, I um, then part of Mondelez, um, I then sort of moved to Singapore. I was in a variety of different roles, sort of supporting Asia, Asia Pacific and Middle East Africa, um, mostly, I say, in the business partnering space, but I was also the talent lead for EMEA for a period of time, and then relocated to Chicago, um, uh, last year. So my role now, as you see here, is um, head of people as it comes to enabling functions. So that is uh, digital services. So that's all our tech plus shared service, business service. It's finance. So working with our CFO, Lucas Aramella, and it's uh, corporate and legal affairs. So that's a little bit about uh, me. And then the company, and great to see that some know the products, which is fab. I, I see Toblerone there, which is one of my faves. Um, so Mondelez, yeah, we're, we're a snacks company. So we're actually the world's big, biggest biscuit company, and we're number two in chocolate. Um, but actually, we're growing faster than the number one. So we hope to be number one very soon. And I think many of you will know our brand. So in the chocolate space, 
Um, again, we have some great global brands as well as local brands. So brands like Cadbury, which are huge in places like you know UK, India, Australia, Canada, uh, parts of Southeast Asia. You know, we have brands in chocolate such as Milka, which is huge in Europe, Toblerone, which is quite a global brand. Uh, in biscuits, Oreo is the biggie that most know, um, as well as brands like Ritz, you know, Chips Ahoy. And we also have a big um, candy and gum business. So candy, you know, uh, Sour Patch is one of the brands we have and gum, Trident, Stride, depending on which parts of the world. And Enjoy Life. Thank you, Kelly. Yes, uh, Enjoy Life as well is uh, part of the Mondelez family. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, and there's even more brands that I'm sure people are familiar with. So if you want to uh, check out some of the brands, just go out to the website. Um, well, Tom, I'm, I'm sure many of those brands were probably uh, very popular over the last couple of years during the during the pandemic. Um, but I'd love to hear a little bit about how work has changed for you uh, over the last couple of years and what your approach has been to hybrid and flexible work um, at your varied employee populations. You've got a lot of different types of employees inside the organization. Yeah, absolutely, Kevin. So, I mean, a few, a few comments. Uh, to your point, firstly, we do have a very diverse employee base. So we are a food manufacturer. Um, so we have a huge sort of frontline manufacturing organization. Um, and we have a large frontline sales organization. So as we think about hybrid um, and ways of working, I mean, this is a huge part of our population where these colleagues are, you know, in plants with customers day in, day out. Um, so as we think about impact of COVID and how that forced us to all sort of think and work differently, um, it was a different reality for many of our frontline workers. Um, and, you know, a huge amount of sort of focus we put as an organization clear around prioritizing safety, the right protocols, but also how do we make some shifts around sort of technology, um, sort of ways of working, capability, upskilling. So, so frontline is a, a huge part of our business. Of course, we have a big office-based population. Uh, and what I would say is many of the trends we saw, you know, accelerated through COVID existed prior to COVID, right? I mean, I, I think all of us in one way or many of us in one way or another were looking at flexibility and flexible working. Um, and we as a business for sure were supporting flexibility. I think obviously COVID sort of forced that for all of us. And I know there've been many conversations as part of these forums, so that's clearly not new. Um, but you know, we as a business actually performed incredibly well during that sort of real everybody working from home from an office perspective and being virtual. Uh, I mean, certainly as a business, the fact that we're food and essential to life clearly helps. But I think what we did do well, and again, we learned and we struggled you know, to say is um, how we supported colleagues in terms of being virtual from an office perspective or, you know, and um, the kinds of sort of tools and support and how do we engage. So that was a huge focus, I would say, for us, uh, Kevin. I mean, what you'll see here, I don't think there's any great surprises. I think as many of us are thinking about return to what is a, um, you know, office or a new normal and way of working. Um, as I say, a big part of our population never left. Uh, frontline. Um, and again, you know, we have a big manufacturing footprint globally, and we had different experiences in terms of lockdowns and restrictions, you know, places like the Philippines, which were in lockdown for over a year, uh, and some of the world's longest lockdowns. Um, you know, then we have obviously colleagues who, um, are, once offices are opening, keen to get back fully, you know, because for a variety of reasons, which are both personal and professional the kinds of jobs they're in, or their personal circumstance at home, but a big, big focus for us has been about 
flexibility and working flexible, uh, flexibly. So from a global perspective, we've really talked about, you know, flexible working and hybrid being our new norm. Um, and a lot of the messages uh, and our sort of key positioning has been around how do we equip our line leaders, our managers to really own those conversations with their teams versus mandating returns and numbers of days or percentages. Um, so we've had a lot of conversations on that over the last, I'd say, year. Um, you know, I think we're figuring it through. We're learning our way, like many organizations are. But that view around how do we build capability in our managers to manage those conversations? Because let's be clear, talent expect flexibility, right? And again, we understand that can be different depending on the nature of the organization, right? Frontline manufacturing sales, it is different. Um, for roles that, you know, can sit anywhere, you know, again, to, you know, attract, retain the best talent, that's absolutely critical, and especially in, in markets like the US, where it's, I think, really unprecedented, unique times in terms of, you know, talent, labor shortages. Um, so, yeah, we've sort of been leaning into that, I'd say, Kevin, in terms of our core focus. And then we do have, of course, and seeing more colleagues who are fully remote, right, colleagues that are not, you know, attached to an office. Um, and again, we do have sort of a process that we go through in terms of determining how that makes sense because you know i do want to call out for you know we do believe in the power of people being together we do believe in the power of sort of when i say office space but you know colleagues collaborating connecting celebrating in terms of our culture at mondelez so as we've talked about you know the emphasis of the role of managers that's been a, an important message you know again how do we get colleagues back together interacting in a way, again, which gives flexibility, um, but continues to sort of, you know, build on our sort of uh, culture, if I put it that way. Well, I'm glad we brought this slide up because I, I wanted to uh, hone in on uh, the manager side of the equation here. And this is something that when we were prepping uh, for this call, we talked uh, quite a bit about your approach to hybrid work was to emphasize empowering managers, something our research has been emphasizing as well, as, as you well know, Richard. Um, I, tell us a little bit more about how you approach this with uh, with managers and made them the, the role models here for hybrid. Yeah, for sure, Kevin. Again, I'd say it's a journey and a lot we're sort of working through right now. Um, we did have discussions at the most senior level, including with our CEO, uh, Dirk, um, around what is our position as it sort of comes to hybrid and what is the role of the off office flexible working, uh, remote, et cetera. Um, but we anchored very early on around, um, you know, we have, you know, a, a super capable organization. We believe some of the best talent in, in, in this industry and across industries. How do we really ensure the ownership of our sort of leadership groups in terms of how they manage flexibilities within their teams? Um, you know, so this was a sort of a big sort of what, what's our anchor? Um, and then I think, as you see here, the key thing around role modeling is it has to start at the top. For sure, it does. I mean, we have to see our most senior leaders managing that, both in terms of how they work flexibly to get the job done and get to get to outcomes. And we're really focused. It's not new, right? But how do we ensure that we're focused on delivery and business results and outcomes for the organization, not about how much time somebody spends in the office? Having said that, you know, I say we, we've really talked about it's a balance for colleagues around sort of office time and remotely, depending on the nature of their jobs, uh, for sure. 
And as you see here, a big thing that we've been talking and learning about um, is around psychological safety. So psychological safety from a view of how do we ensure colleagues can express what works for them in the right way? Um, and it's sort of an and discussion, because let's be clear, people have made adjustments to their lives based upon the ways they've worked over the past two years. When we think about sort of the fundamentals, things, you know, childcare as one example. So how do we ensure that those are critical considerations? You know, we look at things like inflation and cost and different considerations that people have. So that's been pretty huge for us, Kevin, uh, for sure. Uh, but this view around positive reinforcement, encouragement, you know, benefits. You know, we've talked a lot about something we've, you know, uh, in not rocket science, but around anchor days. What are those forums? What are those opportunities where it does have value to be face-to-face, -face, right? Um, so when people are coming, it's, it's, it's purposeful. There's a purpose. It's not to come and sit quietly in an office. It is about coming um, with a view around connection, collaboration, innovation, whatever that might be. Uh, and this view, as you see at the bottom here, around a two-tier system is, we do have colleagues who are in global roles, who are remote, and will continue to be remote. And if you've got a balance of people sitting together face-to-face, -to -face, are remotely on Teams or Zoom, how do you manage that, right? And how do you ensure people feel connected and belonging and people feel that, am I visible and does that have an impact in terms of how I'm perceived? That's been huge for us as an organization. So I'd say, Kevin, we're still learning uh, as we go through. Yeah, that, that last point about avoiding a two-tier system, those that are in the office more often versus those that are, let's say, remote mostly or, or all the time, has been something that's come up on these calls a lot. And I4CP members, uh, just as a reminder, you have access to a very rich tool that we created, our proximity bias checklist, which took an earlier checklist we created for hybrid work overall and really focused it in on what we're calling proximity bias. Those that are closest to leaders in the office, maybe uh, a bias in their favor for promotions or, or lateral moves or development opportunities, mentoring, coaching, and so on. And, and obviously you want to avoid that to have a more equitable workplace. Um, so yeah, I4CB members have access to that pretty rigorous uh, tool that we've created. And it's definitely been a topic that we've discussed a lot. Uh, Richard, I, I, I wanted to ask you a question that Yolanda uh, posted in the chat. You touched on it a little bit here around um, sort of some of the benefits and of coming into the office, but she asked, what, what benefits or are you offering special incentives to employees to get them into the office for collaboration purposes um, and so on? I, I think it's probably a mix of, um, you know, you've, you've been stressing managers, uh, you know, having the discretion to do so. So if it's truly needed for the activity or the event or the, the purpose of the day, um, it's not so much around incentives. It's just that's what needs to happen for that day or that week. Um, right. But otherwise, are you finding you're having to use incentives or, or not so much? Um, in places, yes, Tommy. I mean, to your point, you know, the, the benefits of coming into the office around how work gets done has been sort of a critical focus for us. And as we think about some of the sort of outcomes that we're driving to as a team, um, I have to say as well, I mean, and you guys will probably, I'm sure, know better than me, but this view around sort of engagement um, and how you know, when people are connected and there is an element of face-to-face, -face, that does have an impact. And we have seen that and experienced it in Mondelez. Um, so that for sure, when we think about sort of a benefit and how colleagues are feeling about belonging within an organization, as I say, that's, you know, we, we are working hard around how do we foster that when people are truly remote. And, you know, again, that balance between in, in person versus working remotely. 
And from an incentive perspective, yeah, there have been some, you know, if I give one great example, you know, I think you, you learn a lot from tech companies, right? Where we are in Fulton Market, Chicago, Google's just down the road. I think Google are sort of pioneers around sort of investments in office and sort of cool things that they do around enticing colleagues. And, you know, we are learning. I would say there are cost considerations we have to be, con you know, um, conscious of too. In Fulton Market in Chicago, things like breakfast and lunch, we are providing food for colleagues and people love it. I mean, I, I can't, you know, we, we recently conducted a, you know, a, a, a pool survey in terms of, hey, we've been back a couple of months in Chicago now. What do you like? What can we do better? And, you know, it's the practical things that make the biggest difference. And regardless of seniority level, right, you know, some of our most senior and, you know, you know, entry level positions too. So I would say, um, you know, that we heard a lot around, hey, you know, the fact that, you know, you know, there is, there's breakfast options for us that are provided by the company and lunch options. That's huge because actually I, you know, I have commute costs and that means I can actually, my, and also my chance to connect with colleagues over lunch, you know, in the office, in, a, in an open space. So that for sure, we all, you know, from a what can we do better and different, parking. Honestly, you know, parking has been a biggie where people say, hey, you're in the city and how, you know, how are you going to support us? And that's a bit more difficult than we want it to be. So, again, what are our options there? So, so I'd say, Tom, there, you know, these are, you know, um, some of the practical things we've seen are most important to colleagues around, you know, getting back and how can we remove as many barriers as possible in terms of facilitating that for people. It doesn't mean we can, you know, do everything and anything. We can't. There are a lot of considerations, and all our come and I'm sure everyone on this this call will align with that. You know, cost is a critical consideration now with inflation and impact. But again, where do we want to invest because we see the benefit of that over time? Yeah. yeah. One other thing I just wanted to surface from the chat. There's some good discussion uh, going about the the different terms hybrid and flexible, and I wanted to use that as a opportunity to ask you about your your frontline workers, your on-site workers. I know in talking with you, that's not an area where you oversee a lot of the practices, but um, hybrid usually it means, uh, you know, some mix of location where you work in on-site versus at home or at a coffee shop, otherwise remote, whereas flexible is sort of the broader concept where location, location flexibility, hybrid, is one aspect of it, but also day of Day of week, time of day, um, flexible benefits, other type flexible, uh, you know, comp, uh, timings and so on uh, can all come into play as well. So I'm just curious what you could share, maybe just just briefly um, about for your frontline workers, where hybrid location flexibility really isn't an option. Yeah, and it's for sure, Tom, it is it is more limited because if I take sort of manufacturing roles and your sort of you know production line, um, and as we think about demand in places like the US, having people on site is absolutely critical. And that, if I say, has only uh, increased, um, you know, in recent times, uh, for sure. One thing, I mean, a huge emphasis for us globally in the spaces of, of supply chain is around capability and capability building. You know, we're investing a lot as we talk about things like integrated Lean Six Sigma and how we're skill building, which gives colleagues more and different types of opportunities and the way they can then flex work. So that's something that we are investing in hugely. There's other elements when we look at sort of, you know, on the front line, of course, front line, 
is about being with customers. It's about being in store. But again, in between those times, again, the kinds of flexibility we're giving, I would say, as I was talking to a North America colleague who was sort of, you know, partnering this space, there's a lot of flexibility we're already giving. How do we continue to sort of support and enforce that and encourage uh, um, and promote that, I should say, in terms of continued flexibility? We are looking in a few areas as well around digital and technology. So we made a huge investment um, in the space of HR and Workday uh, back in 2019. Um, and how do our colleagues benefit on the front line with some of that technology? Because at the moment, it's a bit difficult for them, but they all have technology in the sales space, you know, handheld devices in terms of how they're communicating with customers and how can we leverage that technology in terms of their employee experience and are there other options around flexibility we can look into? So I think more to come, Tom, and actually we are learning from others in calls like this as well around what else can we, what else can we be doing? Well, let's build on that support a little bit, Richard. Um, I, I know that you've put out some tools there for uh, both employees and but especially to your managers uh, to enable hybrid work or flexible work to happen. Tell us a little bit more about some of those tools. Yeah, I mean, it's fairly simple stuff, I'd say, Kevin, but um, with this sort of huge emphasis on how do we support line leaders, um, you know, we've been actually workshopping over the last, I'd say, year or more having dialogue with our managers around a few things around, A, critical about setting context. So context around, you know, what flexibility looks like at Mondelez, how does hybrid sort of fit into that? Um, you know, because it is important that our managers understand why we're making these choices right, because many have different views in terms of, hey, wanting colleagues to be face-to-face, -face, wanting their team to be present versus, you know, and some of the struggles with flexibility and working remotely. So we've had a, you know, we've put a lot of emphasis on um, having dialogue, workshopping, setting context and people understanding the external environment. Second, I would say is we pull together a number of guides. And again, there's nothing I'd say confidential in those guides that we could share, Kevin, if that was helpful for any others, but really then um, giving some tools um, that would help you know, managers have the discussion. So it's quite simple stuff, but within those guides, you know, facilitation um, um, tools as part of those, which you know, managers, we, we want managers to use. So in those workshops we're having, we're walking through those guides and those tools uh, and the kinds of questions that can help them you know, uh, get to sort of the right contracting with their team. So, those are the kind of things, Kevin, that we've been looking at um, globally um, over the last, I'd say, one year. And again, we can share more of that as it's helpful. Appreciate that. Well, this is a, and thanks for bringing this slide up. Uh, if it's Tom or Zeta, I'm not sure who's um, yeah. <laughs> running this it's slide. Me. <laughs> um, you know, I know we um, we also talked about this in the prep calls, Richard. But you know, a focus on mental health and just holistic well-being is something many companies have um, you know certainly uh, amped up their uh, efforts on. And I'm wondering how you've looked at that overall. I know you've looked at holistic well-being, but specifically uh, mental and emotional health uh, areas. So tell us a little bit about your efforts there. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, what you see in front of you is sort of a, uh, a, a platform and a program we sort of feel very proud of globally. Um, so actually, it was last year in 2021, we launched The Right You, which is, is our global platform for well-being, so holistic colleague well-being. And I've got to say, I mean, the power of sort of being in a global enterprise and seeing great practice in our markets, it was actually our Australia business. Um, that you know 
we, I think we'd all been, you know, globally, regionally, locally, do it, looking at various different initiatives to support colleagues around sort of mental well-being uh, and physical well-being. And again, aligning a view that, you know, it's an expectation, right, of the role that corporations play as we think about our roles around sort of the welfare and well-being of our people. So many of our, our businesses were, you know, had great practices locally. And our view was how do we ensure that we can give our you know, colleagues globally the same opportunities. So the, the right you was sort of born in Australia. It started traveling around sort of Asia, Middle East, Africa. And then we scaled it globally around these sort of three pillars, mind, body, and connection. Um, and within that, we also launched an app. So again, trying to leverage technology and digital, which gives colleagues basically access to all of their resources locally because again in our company and it might be true in others there's a lot that exists that people just don't necessarily know how to access um so you know this was a big part of making sure that colleagues feel they could sort of access information you know and some simple examples what we've done is ensure that all our colleagues globally have access to employee assistance programs that was a stance uh paulette alviti our chief human resources officer was super passionate about so that is something now we're super proud of that's in place across our enterprise, across, you know, for manufacturing, sales, you know, office colleagues, they have access to employee assistance programs where, again, there is, you know, coaching and there's support around topics around mind and body. So that's one example of some of the work that we've uh, done, Kevin. And then I would say, you know, we've learned from many of our business units where these are employee-led initiatives. And of course, HR plays a huge role in facilitating, but one example in our Northern Europe, UK business, which is one of our biggest business units, um, they launched a program called Boost, which was really focused on mental health and mental well-being. Um, and that was actually initiated by colleagues, colleagues that had had struggles with mental health and wanted to share their experience. And I really, you know, I think bold and brave, and if I say putting themselves out there, sharing those experiences for others to learn from and sort of this view around breaking stigma was sort of huge. Um, and again, how do we learn from that globally? And these calls say, you know, again, that they were running in Northern Europe, you'd have, you know, between five and 700, you know, people and lines connected, which is just huge. And for us, the right you is really around how do we make this, a, a, a you know, a colleague movement that is not sort of a, you know, a platform that we're struggling to sort of keep alive. But yes, there's definitely global facilitation and there's things globally that we drive and we, we must do that. And, you know, EAP is one small example. But how do we ensure that colleagues feel empowered locally to do things that make a difference locally? So I'd say that. And then, I, you know, uh, final comment I would make, Kevin, is we, we, we are running things like well-being weeks. So we have sort of, a, you know, weeks dedicated across the year, which is, is really about providing tools, support, webinars, some outside in, external as well as internal. And in the space of mind, it's, it's things around, you know, colleagues come to hear from, you know, external partners around, you know, finance and financial planning is one example, you know, hearing about sleep and well-being, you know, and again, the impact that sleep has in terms of how we feel and being at our best um, you know, this view around, you know, life and work has merged hugely. How do you switch off and how do you best use technology? Some, you know, you know, hints and tips. So, yeah, there are a few examples, Kevin, of some of the work we've been focusing on. Yeah, those, those are all great examples. Um, I've got a, a quick video here that I want to play for everyone about your The Right You uh, initiative. Uh, but before I do that and give your, your voice a rest for a couple minutes, um, 
uh, I wanted to hit on that mental um, mental illness, mental health stigma aspect again, because you are such a global organization. When you and I were talking to prep for today, you noted that you're seeing some real progress with this initiative in Europe, in Asia. I mean, all around the world, mental health at some point has had a pretty pretty heavy stigma attached to it, mental illness and mental health. Um, I think some areas have, have matured and progressed beyond that, and it's become lessened. Uh, but I know it's still pretty high in some areas. So so what are you seeing globally with, with what you're doing? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's well said, Tom, that I think it's, um, it's about us corporately being really clear on the messages we send across our enterprise that we all have struggles with mental health in different ways. And you know, um, what colleagues bring to work is not necessarily, you know, fully, you know, we, we want people to bring their full selves to work. We, we often don't know what's going on, you know, behind. Uh, and how do we ensure that, you know, we support, um, you know, in a truly sort of holistic way. So I'd say we've done a lot of work just making sure we can create space and time, simple things as well around global town halls, our CEO talking about mental health giving example, you know, our most senior leaders giving examples of where they've struggled. So these are some of the things I'd say, Tom, that are definitely making a difference because it does break the stigma. It, it's it's something that many people over the course of their lives will have, you know, challenges with. And I think, yeah, we've been quite just very deliberate, I would say. And actually, the right you was launched as part of our purpose day. Um, so we talk about sort of being sort of our founding day at Mondelez and that shows the significance to us around how important this initiative is. Well, very good. Like I said, you shared this video. I, I've seen it. I was pretty impressed. Um, after we play the video, Zeta will, will share the YouTube link because it is publicly available. Uh, so we'll share that in the chat here in just a moment in case you want to share that with other colleagues at your organization. I think I've gotten past the, the couple seconds of advertisement at the beginning. I've got my audio sharing here. So I think if I play this, you all should be able to see it pretty well with audio. Uh, bear with us, of course. Um, I'm on hardline Ethernet, so uh, as good bandwidth as, as you could really have in this day and age, but um, hopefully it'll play well for everyone. Here we go. Our purpose is to empower people to snack right. This includes looking after the well-being of our consumers, communities, and most importantly, our colleagues. Given the many challenges we face in today's world, it's clear the time is now to prioritize our holistic well-being. We're proud to launch The Right You, the global brand name and movement for the way we support the well-being of our people around the world. There's no one-size-fits-all approach to well-being. It's personal, and it's up to each one of us to determine what's right for our individual lives. The Right You empowers Team MDLZ to thrive at work and at home across three core pillars, mind, body, and connection. The mind is our strongest muscle and requires proper care and training to be at our best. This pillar is all about enabling mind health to help you thrive and covers topics such as mental health, resiliency and resourcefulness, emotional balance and harmony, and financial health. Our bodies are complex and need proper attention to function well. Occupational health, personal health and healthy habits, including fitness, nutrition, and sleep, and preventative health are the areas of focus in this pillar centered around helping you achieve sustained physical well-being. And last but not least, as humans, we're wired for connection with self and others. 
In this pillar, you'll find resources that cover personal and professional social interactions, community involvement, hybrid and flexible work, and technology and digital connections. A main element of this program is the launch of the new RightU app, a one-stop shop where colleagues can access locally relevant well-being information, programs, and resources. We look forward to learning along the way as we grow our app and overall program to support your well-being journey. This is the right you. That's oh, a nice so, video. And Richard, I was going to ask this question earlier. That app that uh, they just that was just mentioned at the end of the video that you mentioned earlier was that something that was completely internally developed, or was that? Somehow yes. an external app. Yes, okay. uh, completely internally, Kevin. Again, which we feel great about in terms of sort of our digital teams being involved in the creation and the support and making sure we're investing our resource behind this really strategic topic. So, yeah, it was our own teams. Got it. The other one I was going to quickly call, Kevin, if I could, just another area we're looking to pilot and experiment, um, again, as it comes to technology and well-being is... Um, Viva Insights with Microsoft that some of you will be aware of, um, that sort of Microsoft has this capability. Um, we are sort of clear as well. I mean, the, the, you know, this is, I suppose, Microsoft pushing back data in the form of insights to, to individuals, right? It's personal data going back just to the inf in individual, so it's maintained confidentially because it's, it's the data for the, 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 the person only. Um, but yes, we're actually looking, we did a pilot in Brazil last year. And again, the emphasis really came from how can we help colleagues with, you know, insights data that can help them look at their, you know, working habits, you know, and there's some, there's some, you know, simple things there in there, but some great things just around, you know, focus time, you know, who are you connecting with? There's some great links to sort of, you know, mindfulness and resources, um, you know, it gives you prompts around certain follow-ups that you can close out. Um, so we launched it in Brazil. We got some really great feedback or piloted in Brazil, got some great feedback. So we are looking globally, sort of our next stop, if I say that is sort of EMEA and North America in the coming weeks, we're going to sort of switch on that technology. And again, this is part of a say on its own, you know, it's never enough, right? But as part of a sort of holistic program and offering, these are some of the things that we are sort of taking forward and looking at too. It's very interesting that you're uh, piloting and, and looking to use the Microsoft Viva platform. They, Microsoft, as they do with it, pretty much everything they do, sort of made a big splash with the announcement of that. I think it was last year or maybe it was even two years ago now. But, um, you know, like anything big and enterprise like that, it takes a while for it to gain traction. So great to hear that a, a big company like Mondelez is, is giving it a go. Um, to Kevin's question around your mobile app, we actually did have our one poll question for today. So, Zeta, if you could... Bring that up for folks. Uh, just curious who else on the call. Uh, let's see. That is not today's poll. Um, <laughs> oh, well, we can answer that one. <laughs> <laughs> let's see. I think I got it here. Here we go. Yeah, so it should be up now. Um, so it's basically what Kevin was asking. Do you have a mobile app? And if so, did you develop it yourself or did you develop it with a third? Is you leveraging something from a third party? Um, so please, everyone on the call, uh, give us your answer to this. We're just curious to see because we have heard of other organizations doing something like this. They're either rolling out uh, new wellness, well-being apps. Uh, maybe some organizations also rolling out 
diversity, equity, and inclusion apps. We use one at uh, internally at I4CP actually called Everyday Inclusion. Um, so a lot of these apps are something that more and more organizations are, are using for various areas of, of, of their human capital business. All right, I think the answers are sort of done trickling in. So I'm gonna go ahead and share the results. Um, and interesting that third-party apps, for those of you that said, yes, we are uh, using one, uh, third-party definitely uh, far more often than developing your own. So interesting, Richard, that in your case, you all developed your own, and I know you're very proud of it. Uh, definitely not in the majority there, at least for, for folks on this call. Yeah, and but I was going to say, we do. We, there is some third-party we do too, uh, but in different spaces. But yeah, uh, some good insights there, uh, Tom. Yeah, and then a, a good a good group, 17% also still considering having such an app uh, as well. So uh, I think I think it's going to be a trend. I think more and more organizations are going to do this as part of their overall employee experience and, and employee value prop. Richard, I'm just curious from a, a manager perspective. I, I've often, um, I've had this conversation with several people, but I've thought this for a while. It wasn't that long ago that managers were basically encouraged to stay away from uh, talking about, you know, mental and emotional well-being issues with, with employees, right? Just don't go there. Uh, and now we're encouraging them to do so, but it can be an awkward conversation. And mm. I'm just wondering, you know, how your training managers are encouraging them to uh, to have that conversation. Yeah, it's a great point, Kevin. Um, I mean, in a few ways, again, just, you know, examples through these sort of well-being weeks where managers have opportunities to sort of step in and learn, right? So both for themselves and for their their teams and sort of by attending a number of these sort of, you know, programs and offerings, they will get um, sort of prompts and cues around sort of uh, how to manage uh, conversations. Um, and I would say, I mean, this is where, you know, the HR team still plays a really critical space. Um, and yeah, that, that, you know, if there's difficult discussions to have and managers are not feeling confident, they must come and talk to a HR partner. I mean, we have to sort of, you know, um, emphasize that point. But in terms of, again, you know, it's some simple things and models, Kevin, we're using as well. I mean, one we, you know, talk about quite frequently is, is something like see, hear, speak, right? And really then understand before we sort of you jump into a topic around work, right? Are we really understanding where someone's at? And it's not a question of, hey, how's your mental health today? No, but how are you? What's going on? And um, how can I support you? And are there any challenges you're facing? Um, and again, how we ensure, you know, manage it. We, 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 if I say it this way, can we do... We are, you know, asking a lot of our managers, right, in many, many different ways. So we need to support them so they feel comfortable and confident. So, yeah, it, it's a big focus for us, for sure. Yeah. I'd like to uh, point out there in the chat, uh, a few of you were sharing some of the other uh, well-being or, or otherwise new apps that you're using in your organizations. And Denise asked uh, the, the question if others on the call could share as well. So I'd love to see more examples shared over in the chat. Um, last question I sort of had on this topic, Richard, and then we've got uh, two others that we'll get to here before the end of our hour. Um, what, what sort of uptake have you seen for the app uh, as well as what we're seeing here today uh, on the screen, uh, Purpose Day, the, the Healthy Habits Challenge? Um, what, what's been the response from employees to these things? Yeah, and um, it's still relatively new for us, Tom. We launched, it was last September, the app. Um, so, it, it, what we've sort of seen and learned is it's important to have, if I say significant, if I put sort of events that sort of push people that then people sort of see it and explore. 
Um, so this was one example in front around sort of, you know, healthy habits challenge, which again, our global region business units really sort of pushed, how can you, um, you know, and, and sort of one aspect we're sort of doing more and more of is how can you bring uh, these sort of initiatives into team conversations and how we sort of push that down and flow into the organization. So I'd say, um, you know, uh, Tom, the response is positive, but there's huge opportunity. I mean, there's a lot of people who are not going in. So there's people who are not tapping into the resources. Um, but we all, when we launched the right you, it was, hey, this will be, you know, a journey for us. Uh, and we're going to learn as we sort of go along. What I would say is, though, um, people are are hugely engaged on the ground in local initiatives. So one of the big sort of aspects around the right you was people are connecting what they're already involved in to, hey, this is well-being, and this is part of our global corporate, you know, and investments that we're making. So even if they're not going necessarily into the app, how are you participating locally, and how do you link that back into the right you? So that's some of our focus uh, too. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, after all, life is local, right? I mean, it, it, our, our personal lives, our business lives, everything gets integrated for each individual at the local right. level. So not surprising uh, to hear that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Tom, I think a, uh, another topic we wanted to get into was um, just automation and digi digitization uh, in general. And obviously, Mondelez, uh, you know, has been using uh, various degrees of automation in its business, you know, uh, on the manufacturing side, product development side. But uh, we're curious about HR and how you're looking at that, Richard. I know we talked a little bit about onboarding in your India operation. So uh, yes, a bit about what we're seeing here on the screen. Yeah, and this is, I'd say, Kevin, a cool pilot that we're sort of exploring in our India business. And we were, you know, I think really proud to sort of get get sort of a real message out around how we're sort of embracing technology and digital and to improve employee experience. What are we doing from a HR perspective? To your point, there's a lot globally in the space of digital. I mean, just, you know, uh, we Mondelez in prior years have relied quite heavily on partners in the space of digital and sort of outsource, whereas now we're really focused on how do we build and bring that capability in-house. There's a huge, huge focus for us, in particular our digital team. Um, so just to make that point, and this is an example of it in, in HR. So this is a pilot, as you say, it's really new. You see there was a number of news articles that went out. For those that you are on LinkedIn and follow Mondelez, you may have sort of seen some of this too. And this is Shilpa. She is our uh, people lead, uh, vice president of um, head of HR at Mondelez India. India is a huge business uh, for us. I mean, Cadbury has been established in India for many, many years. So we have a huge recognition and employer brand um, in India. And I think we, there's a lot of experimentation and innovation the India business unit lead on, which we, the rest of us learn from. Um, yeah, and this is one example. So it's a small pilot, uh, Kevin, which is again using you know, virtual reality and sort of immersive experience where um, new, on board, uh, new onboarders, onboardees coming into Mondelez experience different parts of our business remotely, virtually. So it's not about going into necessarily our R&D center, our tech center, or the plant, but you actually learn more about our end-to-end -end operation in the virtual world. So, um, you know, we've had some really good, you know, um, examples of sort of leadership meetings where people are in different places and you come into sort of a, a common digital room together, sort of virtually, um, and you're looking at dashboards and data real time. And this was an exper you know, experiment which, um, you know, is sort of this, you know, again, it's, you know, immersion, the simulated environment with sort of digital content. And um, yeah, I think it's about um, giving colleagues a different kind of experience and we'll learn from it. And then, you know, where we see success, we'll scale it. 
Um, but we have an innovation team within digital that is sort of at the fore of this. And a lot of, you know, and there's, there's a lot of work we're piloting around areas such as sort of immersive learning capability. What can we do around on-job training in certain areas like R&D, sort of remote assistance. So again, it's new, but we're, we're piloting in a lot of areas through our sort of innovation digital team. Regarding the onboarding uh, using the, the VR and digital technologies in India, it'll be very interesting. Uh, I know it's a pilot, but it'll be very interesting for you to, to get some measurements and metrics on does that have an impact on how many of those employees stay with the firm? You know, it's Absolutely. very expensive to, to hire and onboard new employees. And there's there's usually a, a quit rate that's established in any company within the first six months or first year. And it'll be very interesting to see if you can compare that rate for those that went through this program, this pilot versus others, particularly in India, if you can do a, a true A-B test, um, but even globally, um, even with the, some of the confounders that would great, appear there. Great point, Tom. Absolutely. And I know the India team are looking at that and that'll be part of do we see you know we're investing here and what are the benefits right because the technology can look cool but what is the real impact so we definitely need to sort of understand that I have yeah. to say though it does create a buzz and from an employer branding yeah. perspective it creates a nice buzz about the organization of what are we investing in and you know technology being at the fore and how do we attract talent so yeah Absolutely. Particularly, I'm sure, for the younger generations, millennials Absolutely. and Gen Z, most Absolutely. of all. I, I want to call attention also for everyone on the call, because it was a public call as part of our Next Practice monthly series, um, we had one of our talent and learning calls with the heads of talent at Accenture uh, just a couple months ago. Uh, and I donned the uh, the headset and went into a virtual reality world. They too are using it first and foremost for onboarding, although they've already expanded at Accenture to use it for training and some other purposes internally as well. They've made a massive investment in this. And we recorded that call as part of our Next Practices monthly series. So I believe it was the March call. If you go out to i4cb.com and go to the events, area and look at the past webinars, you'll be able to find that. And, uh, it, you know, the recording recorded, you know, my face in the Zoom window with my with my, uh, you know, equipment on, but then you were seeing my avatar and the two or three folks from Accenture that we had on going around that virtual environment and, and sort of exploring it. So while you're seeing it in, in a recorded format, you really do get a sense for, for what that experience is like. So I'd encourage everyone on the call, go back and, and watch that archived call if you would. I think I was the only one without a headset on in that call, and I can attest that Tom did not fall out of his chair. <laughs> right. uh, the, the rumors around that are very untrue. <laughs> very good. Um, we had one last topic that we've been bringing up with guests recently, um, uh, Richard, and that's and that's the Ukraine uh, and what Mondelez is doing there. So I uh, would love to hear uh, a little bit about uh, all the things that you're that, that you'd like to share about what you're doing for in support of both workers, contractors, uh, anything you'd like to share about the Ukraine. Yeah, certainly, Tom. Um, so we, we do have a big business in Ukraine. So our number one priority has been around sort of safety and, and protecting our people. So there's been a huge amount of work um, you know, that has been sort of supported, particularly from our MEU, sorry, which is our Mondelez European Union, our European business that has been really prioritizing their focus, resource, investment on protecting people and supporting our colleagues. So it's been a huge, huge focus. Um, you know, and I think we've all been seeing uh, the devastating impact of war and we've seen, you know, the direct impact on our colleagues. Um, so there's definitely sort of multiple examples from a people perspective. And I say with that view around number one priority being around safety, I said, we, we you know, we have, we have, 
you know, um, colleagues in terms of um, office as well as manufacturing. Um, so Ukraine has been for us, again, you know, an important business in terms of serving the consumers of Ukraine, but other parts of Europe and the globe as well. Um, one, one, I mean, a couple of examples I, I, I definitely want to share is um, around supporting colleagues, you know, if I say, you know, get to safety um, and, um, you know, examples I think we've heard from other organizations around, you know, colleagues sort of reaching the border, making sure we're there to support around transportation, housing, you know, shelter, work opportunities, you know, visa implications, you know, that has been sort of a huge, huge focus for us, um, for our European business. And, and one sort of specific example I, I, you know, give is that many of our colleagues said they want to, our global colleagues, they want to help more. What more can we do? So there's a lot sort of globally in terms of, um, you know, funding. Um, colleagues donated um, as well, you know, and Mondelez matched that. But how can I directly support beyond sort of financial. Um, and one example of that was, an, was a um, tool, an app that we created, our digital team created actually in a space of, you know, it was a few days, it was four days actually called Be My Guest. And this was really supporting around temporary housing issues for Mondelez Ukrainian employees. So it was sort of, how can we support in sort of a simple but really effective way? And this was sort of the intent of this, uh, you know, really was for our Ukrainian colleagues sort of and their families as sort of the guests to find temporary housing solutions sort of as you know at the earliest points as they sort of you know um escape from war in the ukraine um and again it gave mondelez colleagues in terms of hosts the opportunity to offer housing solutions um and i have to say in a matter of just a few days we had over 130 colleagues over 20 countries offering over 230 beds rooms to support Ukrainian colleagues and their families. And, you know, accommodations were available from short of shorter stint, say two weeks to a few months. Um, we saw in a very, you know, short period of time that, you know, um, you know, right matches within a few days, sort of 45 plus beds matching sort of, um, you know, guest and host together. So we're really proud of our employees because this is our colleagues wanting to support and, and really wanting to do the right thing. So there's a lot corporately, globally, within the region, and then our colleagues directly, but how could we facilitate that? And that was through some of this technology and facilitating this process as well. What we also have done, um, Tom, just to call out, is around, again, EAP service, counseling support, um, um, educating our talent acquisition teams around prioritizing Ukrainian colleagues for roles and how we facilitate that. Um, so that, that has been huge for us. And there's many colleagues in Ukraine who continue to be in Ukraine, obviously in safe spaces. So what's the kind of support that we're giving um, has been sort of a huge uh, focus for us. Yeah, it's very interesting, the, obviously, the, the human side of it and, and the many ways you're rallying to support all of your employees there, um, but also just from an agility perspective, being able to get the IT team to perhaps drop what they were working on otherwise and rally to create an app like that, that has those numbers were pretty impressive, A, how quickly it was done, uh, but then B, just how many people were impacted by it in the hundreds being able to use that app. So that's impressive. Yeah, I mean, Tom, we're really proud of our teams. I mean, it, it has been, how do we divert resource to what is most critical? And as we said, sort of safety of our people is, is the number one priority. So with that, with that sort of spirit and focus, absolutely, our tech teams, you know, made it a priority and they were given the space to make it a priority. Um, and then what is even more sort of, you know, humbling is that that our colleagues wanted to make a difference. So that's just been, you know, phenomenal. Yeah. 
Well, Richard, we're just about out of time, uh, and I want to make sure I, I take the time to thank you for joining us. This has been a great conversation. Uh, covered a lot of different areas, so thanks for sharing uh, what you've shared. Uh, I'm just such a big fan of your organization, as are many people inside of I4CP. We've just loved our partnership with Mondelez. Thanks, Kevin. No, I know it is a great partnership, and um, yeah, huge thanks to you and Tom. Again, I've really enjoyed the conversation and love learning from yeah, others in these discussions and uh, yeah, the research material you have, it makes a huge difference. So thanks to you guys as well. Thank you for listening to this episode of I4CP's Next Practices Weekly podcast. I encourage you to join us live for these discussions each Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific time so that you can ask questions of our guests and co-hosts and participate in the conversation. Just go to i4cp.com forward slash events to register. We hope you'll keep tuning in as I4CP brings you more great HR executives to discuss how high performance organizations are leveraging best and next practices in HR. Uh, registration is open for our Next Practices Now conference in late March this year in Scottsdale, Arizona. Uh, it's an annual tradition that we're super excited to be back to after two years of being virtual only. It is both in-person and virtual, so if you can't make it in Scottsdale, you do have that other option, and there'll be a lot more information coming on the speaker lineup very soon. Thank you, and we hope you have a great and productive week ahead.